crossroads as we celebrate 25 years of God's faithfulness and His goodness to us. I just want to warn you right up front. I'm going to be a hot mess by the time this is done. Um, the story starts in, in 1992. Um, I was a school principal at the time. I used to do music therapy and we were raising three little kids. And we started to feel the stirrings of God in our heart to do something that, would, that was kind of different. There were great churches in the area. Uh, but we felt God was starting to put on heart and mind something different. And we attended a conference at Willow Creek Church in Chicago. And uh, we spent a week there listening to them talk about how they do church and what church could be like and how they, they do church to reach out to people and they try to live real authentic lives. And we came home with our hearts pounding and looked at each other and said, I think God wants us to do that here. Um, and we read things like this passage, Acts 2, verse 32 talks about the first church as it formed. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was a community that was involved in each other's lives. They broke bread together. They helped each other walk faith, live faith. They lived real. And there was this sense that God was doing something. And we said, God, if we could be a part of something like that before we die. And we love it. Um, and we were nobody. We, we were no ones from nowhere with no credentials. I had no seminary background. Even though we'd served in churches our whole lives, we, um, we really didn't have much to bring to the table except we said, God, we believe you're calling us. So if you're calling us, we'll make this happen. We'll do this. We had some vision meetings in our living room, and 14 crazy people said, we'll do it with you. And one of those, my mother in law, who's still with us, uh, 87 years old. church 25 years from then, we would have said without a doubt, we'll be attending the same Baptist church. The church I attended since birth, that's 87 years ago for those wondering, and the church I thought I'd be buried from. The church I came to faith in Jesus, the church where his dad had been a pastor, and the church we married in and raised our five children. The church that sang hymns, a few worship choruses, and then a pipe organ. We certainly had no intention of ever leaving that church. So, 26 years ago, when Rich and Heidi shared their vision of launching a new type of church to reach spiritual seekers, we told them they had our support, but we would not be joining them. Well, as you know, God had very different plans for us. Within a few short months, God had changed the heart and the mind of two 60-year-old Baptists. And we became a part of a committed core of 16 individuals who were the beginning of Crossroads Community. It has truly been an adventure with highs and lows, great joy and some sadness, of God moving in the lives and hearts of his people, his church. I miss my God who loved this new church and who would be very happy and proud.
proud that Crossroads is celebrating 25 years today. If he were here today, he would be singing this next song so loudly, you would hear him over the sound of the band and over the sound of all the people here. For the glory of the God who saved us and made us his church, let's give him our thanks and praise and worship. Uh, so in 1992, September 12, 1992, Crossroads had his first public worship service. It was on a Sunday evening in the Little Red Schoolhouse Annex of Grace Episcopal Church on Main Street in Trumbull. We were meeting on Sunday evenings through the fall there. I, I was doing the teaching. Heidi and her brother Chris were the worship team, and all 16 of us were all hands on deck. Everybody had to do a little bit of everything to make those services happen. And that was an exciting time, it was great fun. And Brian Kuchmas came to our very first public service. Hey! And uh, he's got a story to tell. Twelve, I just needed a place to heal. Twenty-six years old, I knew I needed God in my life, so I started praying. I knew I needed to connect with him, but I didn't know where to go. Back to the church of my childhood. After a year of praying, I was invited to a church. I refused. Uh, but after several more invitations, I accepted. First service spoke to me directly to the questions I had been asking. Why do I feel so empty? And um, what's missing in my life? I heard about Jesus and his atoning sacrifice and accepted Christ on March 5th, 1990. During those first four years of walking with Christ, I endured two very negative church experiences and needed to find a church. Where do I go? Friend of mine heard of a new church that was meeting at Grace Episcopal Church, well, Red Schoolhouse, um, next to it. They were doing a more contemporary type of service, and that sounded okay. Upon arriving, we were welcomed and told we where to sit, where we like. There's only about five rows split down the middle. Uh, there's a small soundboard, homemade light board, black curtains suspended on homemade frames, lighting suspended on homemade supports. Guess they should have gotten the idea that home was in play. Um, up in the front was Heidi and her brother Chris. I remember some other time there was somebody else up there. I don't remember who that boy was. I knew most of the songs. The setting was nice enough and the message was pretty good. I had no idea who anyone was, what their credentials were, or if I would be coming back again. This is a very different church experience that I've had before, um, but it, it had a nice sense of hybrid feel, kind of traditional kind of music. After service was over, I chatted with a few folks, saying hello, sharing who I was, and hearing how they'd like to come back again. As I turned to walk to my car, I was stopped by Chris and his wife, Tracy. Uh, you see, they knew me from back in school days, and uh, we chatted, and they invited us back. Uh, and I was not expecting this, because uh, for anybody who knew me back then, I wasn't really a nice person. So I didn't really, didn't really expect that. So, um, Chris invited me to come to the lunch, uh, I was at the service like the next week or something. Uh, during lunch I was asked what brought me to Crossroads. And uh, upon sharing my negative church experiences in greater detail, of course, uh, I realized that what I was seeking was healing. Um, I just I just come to Crossroads to heal. I didn't want to be involved in anything. I just wanted to be in the congregation to keep my spirit fed and to see where this walk with Christ would take me. Um, 
Well, by the third service, I was helping them put away chairs. By the fourth service, I was helping them break down. And, oh, hey, here we are. <laughs> I've done a lot of healing while I've been here and continue to do so. I have witnessed Christian faith in action for people who practice what they believe. I have been loving and fed both spiritually and some really great food along the way. <laughs> and I've experienced that Christ kind of love. 25 years is a lot of time to pull stories from, and so I'll share the single most important one to me. I had a serious personal low back in 1998 when I drifted back into addiction. Uh, the change in me was obvious, and I was asked to step down from serving. One Sunday I walked out after service, and for the first time I felt like and I cried and I left. Sometime after that, Rich and some of the guys came to my house in the morning and station intervention, trying to get me into a rehab, which I got into for a little while, but it didn't stick. And so it took me about two more years for me to get my life back together. This is where the Christ-like kind of love kicks in, because I've always heard about it. Folks like Robin Stanley, of course she wasn't Robin Stanley. Um, <laughs> Came up to me, gave me a hug, uh, said she missed me, and welcomed me back. Bob and Natalie, the more mature folks in the congregation, I didn't expect the older folks to really, but they welcomed me back to me. And uh, I didn't expect that either. The shame I felt overshadowed what I should have known about this group of people and about this church, and that God's love was not a side, but believed and lived. Grace wasn't just from Jesus. I took another chance at Crossroads. It was worth it. Since then, I've continued to grow and learn and be amazed on how, through it all, I can still see the power of Christ and His grace working through all of I'm going to put this little section back in here. It says, I'm going to end my story with a quote from a song called God is in Control, which we used to hear quite a lot in the early days. And it says, He has never let you down. Why start to worry now? He is still the Lord of all we see. He is still the loving Father watching over you and me. Thank you. As I said, we were having uh, Sunday services in the evening at the Grace Episcopal facility all through the fall of 1992. We wanted to move to a Sunday morning time slot. So in January of 1993, we moved to Hillcrest Middle School met in their cafetorium there in the winter months and when the weather was nice we went out in their little courtyard and had services outdoors and we started to attract uh, people who needed to be loved and needed to heal and wanted authentic community and wanted to be involved in each other's lives which was just what we wanted to have um, and I remember Robin who uh, is now sitting you know, um, found us in those days who else found us in our Hillcrest days raise your hand if for someone who found us in Hillcrest. And then we were there for a couple of years, and we moved uh, just across the field to Trumbull High School. Uh, it's a nice auditorium, nice chairs. We didn't have to set up as much sound equipment, and we used the classrooms. Uh, it was a little big for us, but we spent a little bit of time there, and more people continued to come. And, uh, we found ourselves meeting in a variety of places. We took a short stint with the Hillendale. Anyone remember the Hillendale in Trumbull? We were there for a little while until the fire marshal kicked us out because the building was condemned. <laughs> we, uh, we, at Christmas time, we took over the Trumbull Boag farm and we turned it into a live nativity. We turned it into the town of Bethlehem. We used their animals and their barns and 
Uh, did that for several years. We met in a skating rink. Uh, we started doing baptisms by the lake. While we were actually swollen, so no crest, we did service, uh, Sunday morning service, at the Trumbull Day Car Show in the field between the schools. In those days, everything we owned for church fit in a trailer, and we were so portable, we would just meet anywhere. And we totally believed that church was the people, and you could set up a tent anywhere and worship God and love each other and love God at the same time. And that's what we were doing. Um, when we were at uh, Trumbull High, um, in the early days, uh, I was the only paid staff at that point. And we had some really tight, tight days, but God was always faithful. Catherine Garber, who was doing our checkbook at the time, came to me one, I remember one day in July, she said, um, Rich, we only have $1.26 in the checking account, and payroll is due next week, and we have an insurance payment due, and our rent payment's due, and we don't have any money. And so don't worry about don't worry about paying me and don't worry God's going to provide. And then announced it to the church and we prayed, prayed about it. We just said, God, we're out of money. And that week, that week, I got a little note card in the mail. I opened it up. It was from a woman I'd never met. She said, Dear Pastor Richard, don't know me. I know someone who goes to your church. I'm not even, I'm not a Christian, but I like what I hear about what you're doing. And I thought I should help. There was a check in there for twenty thousand mm. dollars. And that's not the only time God has miraculously provided, provided for us. It's happened like that many times over the years. God has been faithful. That's why when I stood up at the start, I said, we're celebrating 25 years of God's faithfulness. And he has been, has been faithful. Uh, we're going to sing a song called, You Are My King, Amazing Love. We're going to worship God's amazing love. Okay. So how many people found us at Trumpelheim? Uh, congratulations to all of you because we were on the move in those days. Uh, we were only we only wanted people who really wanted to find us and find us. And, uh, and uh, there were two people who really persevered and found us while we were in high school. Don and Perry Romano, and they're going to share a little bit of their story. with patience and with grace. 
Rich pastored us, and as a couple, we became friends. The way they lived was an example to us, and the tirelessly, um, tirelessly poured into our lives. They were there to share our joy in the good times, and they were there to support us through the not so good times. The community of believers at Crossroads became our family. Our daughter Nicole and our son Matt built strong friendships, and together with their friends learned about Jesus and accepted him as their savior, and those are some of their closest friendships today. Tom's commitment to bringing the youth crossroads to Christ was instrumental in their journey, and we will be forever grateful to this family of faith and the sacrifice of Richard Heidi and Tom and Gail. Uh, over the past 25 years, um, many seeds have been sown uh, in all of us uh, across this community. Uh, and we just never know when God is going to have that seed start to grow into that massive oak tree. We just never know. So, Richard Heidi, thank you for being the seed source. And uh, just thank you for what you do and all you have done. And we just keep praying for you as we look forward. One day when we were still meeting in the high school, Perry grabbed me and he said, I'm a member of the Triple YMCA and there, there's a hallway where there, there's plywood up on the wall. It looks like it should be double doors. And over it it says, future home of the YMCA gym. He said, we should look into that. So we went over and talked with the people at the Y, and it turned out when they did all their fundraising and built out their building, they didn't have enough money to build out their gym, so it was their future hope to have a gym. And we said, what if we built out your gym, and we got to, we used it on Sundays for church, and you would have your gym during the week, and they loved the idea. Uh, we felt God was really needing us to do it. So we got an estimate, and it came to $163,000 we were going to need to build out that gym. And uh, so we came before the people and just said, this is what we think God is leading us to do. We need $163,000 to build out the gym. And we're making an arrangement with the Y where we won't pay rent for five or six years. So we're not going to lose that money. We'll get it back, not paying rent. But we've got to come up with it in like a month. Um, so we just said, spend the next month. We're not going to do fundraisers. We're not going to have them around for thing. We're not going to sell brownies. We're just going to pray about it and ask God each to show each of us what we should do. So you go home every Sunday for a month. I said, you go home and you just ask God what you should give. And he'll tell you. Whatever he tells you, you just do it. And we're going to see God move in an amazing way. And then at the end of the month, we had a Friday evening, I think it was, service at one of the rooms in the YMCA. And we worshiped. And we passed around little slips of paper. And we said, everybody write down what you think God's telling you to give. And we'll collect it up and pass baskets around. We sent some people out to count the papers while we sang more songs and prayed. And they came back in. So we added it up, uh, it came to uh, $163,500. You believe that? You couldn't if you wanted to get it. We spent a month trying to make that math work. We would have made it work. And here was the, the second miracle. We told friends about it. We were so amazed. And they said, you'll never collect that money. You'll never collect all of it. The stats say you're only going to get best of the 80% of it. Uh, so when it came time, we said, hey, we need the money. Not only did we collect every penny people pledged, other people said, you know, I didn't write anything on the paper. I feel like I missed God's blessing. And they came. We collected more. 
original pledge. So much so we're able to hire Tom K. as our
Um, I went back to Rich and I said, thank you, it's flattering, but um, it, you know, we feel like God wants us to be in the, in the marketplace. And uh, neither one of us slept for like six weeks. Right? And I looked together and said, I think we made a mistake. So I went back to Rich and I said, if you will still have us, I'll, you know, I'd like to take the job. Um, and at that point, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. They said, look, um, we really don't know how much we can pay you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the money that was raised um, to get us started. And then it just kind of, um, it kind of went out from there. And that was, that was 2001. Um, we're thinking back, there's so many stories of um, times when we felt here before and I had a family across from me. I just couldn't even begin to go. I'm just going to share one that sticks out to us. Was we were in the process of adopting our second son, Jared, and we were um, we flew to Florida and we were um, met her birth mom. We were flying home and it was 9 11. We were on a plane and um, you know, completely nervous and distraught about growing our family and then the whole nation was distraught and uh, we were stuck in Florida for a while but I just remember feeling so completely covered in prayer by our family here even when we were in Florida and then very shortly after that um, we got the call of Jerry was being born and we threw Jake in the car in the middle of the night and drove down to Florida um, we were there for 10 days and when we came back I just remember walking into the house and just so exhausted after an 18-hour car ride, uh, new baby, three and a half year old in the car, and our refrigerator was just completely full of food and juice and milk. And um, for just a teeny tiny second, I thought, I cannot believe these people saw my house like this. <laughs> because I think we left at 11 o'clock at night or something one night. But it was such a brief feeling because I felt um, immediately like, well, this is just my family, and they are in a mess. So, no surprise, right? Um, I'll wrap up with this. So, there's so many things that we've learned and that I've learned over the course of the last 17 years um, and been taught by Rich and Heidi and by the people of Crossroads. I mean, Heidi's creativity and generosity and Rich's patience with me as a, as a young leader and getting phone calls from parents like, why does Tom have my kid on the photo scavenger on the thunder and lightning storm? <laughs> And then just the, the selfless uh, love of the community. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned, and I didn't even know what the word meant or was back then, was God's sovereignty. And basically that means that um, God is in control of everything, and that he's not surprised by anything. And he can take the highest high and the lowest low, and he can use it for his glory and for our good, in which I've seen him do time and time again
everybody has like really good stories and everything. So, uh, and also, I've, I've been seeing some people like Mark and Melissa, I've seen you guys in like, I don't know, 20 years or something. You guys look the same. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who think, like, you still look like I remember you from when we were at THS and Hillcrest and everything. Uh, I'm pretty much 30 now, and I'm going to be a dad in December. This is for my third child, but... <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you don't feel old now, like before, I gotta, you probably feel old now, so... Yes. Uh, so, I grew up in the church forever, like, my parents left me at Hillcrest by myself, by accident. I used to call 911 on the pay phones because it was the only number that would ring. <laughs> THS, me and my friends would sneak up into the catwalk and play with the lights. Uh, that was a lot, we're like, I don't know, six. Uh, so, uh, I've done a lot of things that uh, have made people upset while I was here. And, uh, but, I wrote notes on my hand as well, so I don't forget. I want to write my left hand because everybody shakes right but I'm a lefty. So, the, the car ran over, I was like, I can't write my left hand, I'll be able to read it. So, um, no matter where we've been, like Hilldale and all, in, uh, in the Stratford Library, which wasn't mentioned, Dad, you forgot that one. Um, and uh, no matter where we were, we always were seeker-oriented. This word got brought up a couple weeks ago. I was talking to one of my volunteers, and she was like, oh, that's a seeker camp. And I was like, I haven't heard that word in forever. I think it was the 90s last time I heard the word seeker use. And um, uh, she was talking about it in, like, not the most positive way. And, uh, and it brought me back to this like crazy roller coaster of memories, thinking about like, things at Crossroads, things we did, and uh, how the word seeker was thrown around all the time. We were always focused on like, seekers and stuff. And um, that was really cool because it doesn't matter where we were in our Crossroads history, we were always super loving to people. And I think that's why we got that like label. It's like, oh, like, they're like seeker tricks. They love seekers. And it's like, Seekers are people, if you don't know, that are looking for God. And so, and I was thinking about, like, who's the most seeker-oriented person ever? And it was Jesus, right? And so, uh, it just got me thinking about all these different things we used to do, but it didn't matter where we were, what we were doing, we loved people on the outside, and we weren't focused just on people on the inside. And that separated us from a lot of other churches, and I think that's awesome. So, uh, uh, growing up, then, I went to youth group with Tom, and um, besides getting chased around by Todd Cunningham, uh, wheeling a crutch, I don't know where he got the crutch, but he chased us down the street with it, making it really bad, and uh, climbing in and out of his doggy door with my friends. Uh, stay on track. So, uh, Youth Group was a place where I wanted to bring my friends. It was super fun, and uh, it wasn't just a youth group, though. It was the same thing at Church Crossroads was a place where people wanted to bring their friends. It wasn't just like you came and you never invite anybody and like if somebody came you'd get embarrassed. It was somewhere that you wanted to bring people. It was the same way with uh with you as well. Like I brought two hundred friends to you group because I was like, this place is fun, this is awesome. Like, like just come. And um uh and then uh as a little boy I, I had a friend and uh, I still have a friend and, and I, I was like I want my friend to know Jesus. If he didn't know Jesus I started praying for him as a kid with my parents. And uh, as, as I go, we kept praying for him at the YMCA when we were, when, we were uh, uh, when the floor was about to get laid. We always at the YMCA and we wrote down names of our friends who we wanted to come meet Jesus and come to our church. And I wrote my friend's name down. And uh, 
that was like 2001 or something. I think I was in sixth grade or fifth grade. And I wrote my friend's name down. And then uh, I started playing music with the worship band, which wasn't the best. And I'm sorry. That's like a really in front of you all now. I know it was some hard times. It was only seven years though, so it went by quick. Crossroads being such a welcoming place, again, just by people, not because like this cafetorium is a super welcoming setting when you walk in, but because of people. Uh, uh, my friends started coming to, to see me play. That's the only reason why they were coming is to see me play. They felt so welcome, they kept coming back. And then uh, uh, this one Easter service comes around, my friend's been coming because I've been playing music, and uh, and he has uh, like a, a Christ music experience right in these seats right here. And um, it is like the shape forever. So if I'm sure if my parents knew that just one life, it's been an emotional roller coaster these past couple weeks. Ah! Anyways, repress. Okay, so yeah, I have three minutes. Um, so uh, if my parents knew like what my the YMCA used to say like song, one life, and I'm sure if they just knew my full bow. The repressing is not working. <laughs> so, the stage is too small, I need a pace. So, if they just knew that Poe was the only person who's gonna have a life changing experience, I'm sure they would have gone through it all. Everything. <laughs> so, my apology to you is also a thanks. Thanking you guys. And I was thinking, like, the weeks leading up to this, in my emotional roller coaster of repressing and then coming out, is I was thinking, like, if I could say one thing to you guys, just think. thank you for dealing with me and my brother and my friends as we play terrible music <laughs> and as we terrorize your friends, your kids, because it ended up with both my friends. Jesus, and he's going to be in the heaven of us forever. So thank you. I don't think I asked how many people came to Crossroads at the YMCA. Uh, yeah, we had some great years there. We were growing, went to two services while we were there. Um, while we were at the YMCA, we were um, offered the opportunity to share a building with Grace Episcopal Church, where we started our first services. And uh, we prayed about it, we thought about it, we prayed about it, and uh, we felt like God was moving us to do it. So we moved from Life State to meeting at Grace Episcopal. And uh, we were there for a couple of years, and I just have to tell you, they were, they were very, very hard years for us. Uh, we were doing our morning service in between two of their services, and we were adding an evening service. We were rushing people in and out to get it all done. It was uh, killing our sense of community. I was personally at a low in my leadership during those years. I was not at the top of my game spiritually. And uh, they were dark years for us. We lost a lot of people. We were really hurting. Uh, we came to the point after whatever was a year and a half or two where we just said, and God was still doing good things. How many people found us at Grace? I know there are some of you still here yet, hanging over. Um, but we were hurting. And uh, we knew we needed to find another place to meet. And we started just looking around a little bit. Gail Kay said to me, how about Frenchtown School? It just been built. Um, I knew the principal, I used to work with her, and uh, I said, I'll never say yes to us, but because you asked Gail, I'll do it. 
So I met the principal kind of like, well, I'm just doing this because I have to. But do you think we could meet here for church? Yes, I'd love to have you. And uh, so we moved from Grace to right here at Frenchtown. Um, we came here honestly licking our wounds. We were in a rough place as a community, and we were all feeling it. And it took us a couple of years to just reheal. Um, back to what Brian said about healing process, it's always been a place for people, individuals to come and heal, but as a community, we needed to. And we did for a couple of years, and God was still faithful through those years. And uh, now we've been here, I think it's uh, eight, about eight years. How many people have come while we've been here in Yeah. Um, and uh, God is good. I totally forgot what else I was supposed to say. Uh, I think it was just our move to French. Oh, yeah, Kathy. I'm sorry, Kathy, where is she? Um, Kathy and Felix and their family are people who came here uh, during our time at Frenchtown. And uh, Kathy's going to read her Um, so family, you could use more like it's family here. Um, so family, I, thought, I value family, grew up with all my cousins and aunts and uncles. I'm just saying that cousins are your first best friends, it's completely true. Um, I didn't have sleepovers or playdates with school friends, but with my family members. We were in each other's lives, so much so that we are here. Um, any friends I made at school were my best friends, which very few, became family. And I've been adopted into my extended family. To this day, we call them honorary family members, honorary Puerto Ricans. Um, they go to Puerto Rico with us, they come to all the family functions, they're family. Moving to Connecticut after college was a big change for many reasons, but the distance from my extended family was the biggest adjustment. In life events in the years to follow, but my family had changed and it wasn't the same. When we came to Crossroads, Little did I know my extended family would evolve. It is here at Crossroads is why I have found my new extended family. There are people who have come in our lives and to our media family as well. Um, that can be considered the aunts and uncles and best friends and cousins that I miss so much. These new relationships, though some are no longer here, have helped me come into my faith. They were the encouragement, support, and guidance for me to confirm and grow in my faith. While I may be resistant and busy at times, um, there's always love reaching out, and I know I can always rely on the members here because I have my family. So that's my experience in Crossroads. As far back as the beginning of time, Jesus pictured Crossroads. That was part of his plan from the beginning. And uh, we say, you know, the story started in 1992. Jesus started writing the story long before. And he's been writing faithfully these chapters, these 25 years. And I'm really excited to be able to confidently say the story's not done. Jesus has many more great chapters to write in the story of Crossroads. And uh, we thank him for that. We always say around here at Crossroads, everyone counts. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone counts. Over the course of 25 years, God has used Crossroads to touch hundreds and hundreds of lives and not exaggerating. Um, we've seen people come to faith, discover Jesus, people who were far from God, have encounters with the living God who loves their soul. We've seen broken lives mended. We've seen people grow in their faith. We've seen God do so, so much. But he does it one life at a time. It's like what Rush shared just a little bit ago. It was all about one life coming to Jesus and having his eternity changed. 
And so for every one of you, and me, and Heidi, and all of you, it's always about one life. God is interested in you, and your friend, and your family member, and your neighbor, and that one life needs to be drawn to Him. One Life was one of our themes one year, years ago, when we had a song we did called One Life, that really just sums up that Jesus touches us one life at a time. So we're going to sing that. We believe, God, we believe, we believe. God, you are faithful. God, when I was faithful, you were faithful. When I wasn't faithful, you were faithful. And in everything in between, in everything in between, you've been faithful. You are a good God. Thank you, Father, for the story you're writing called Crossroads. And your hand blessing on it for 25 years. And now, Lord, bless Crossroads community for 25 more and beyond that even more. For the glory of your kingdom and the good of your